Father, we thank you that we can find peace and respite on this morning in the midst of such a chaotic world. That with all the craziness going on, Father, we have no choice but to turn to you and to trust you and to believe you in all situations and in all circumstances. Father, help us to pull back the curtains, pull back the cover to see the things that are happening, to see what you are trying to do and move in this world through us. That we would be obedient to the purpose, obedient to the calling, obedient to all that you would have us to do, Father. Father, we lift up those that have been affected by recent events, Father, those that have been marred by the things that have occurred that Satan has willed on this earth. We lift them up to you, Father, that only you can provide the comfort that's necessary. Only you can provide the help that's needed. Only you can provide the insight. And Father, as we (coughs) continue forward in all that you have purposed and ordained since the very foundations of the world, we thank you that you are our soon coming King. We know that we're here for a purpose, for a season, for, for such a time as this. But we thank you, Father, that this shall not endure. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Would y'all please be seated? I'd like to welcome all of you, of course, that are here, those that are uh, joining us online, either via Facebook or our YouTube uh, feed. We're super grateful to have you here. Uh, <coughs> we have been in this series called WDJD, which is not what would Jesus do, but what did he do? And I think that it's important that people uh, of the body of Christ begin to realize what did Jesus do? Um, We don't have to speculate (coughs) about what he would do when we have so much that tells us what he actually did do. And, and so <clears throat> I think oftentimes, if I could just be honest, when you posit the question, uh, what would Jesus do? It leaves a certain level of ambiguity and a lack of clarity, and it leaves it up to you to decide what you think should be done. And I think that's a problem in a lot of ways because, uh, you know, when there's no king in Israel, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And I think that there are many instances where Jesus has revealed not only himself, but his will and his desire and what we should do. And so, if you would, let's turn to Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. <clears throat> and Second Timothy describes where we are uh, right now. Um, Recent events, as obviously you would know unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, recent events are just horrific. Uh, The things that are going on in our country, and really it's around the world, but obviously it's it's more pronounced in our country because it's where we live. Um, It's just horrific. And the evil knows no bounds. Um, There's just... I don't know. <clears throat> I came from a time, and I could be old school, and I'm okay with that. 
Um, but I came from a time where women and children were just off limits. It just was off limits. Um, and I think to watch where we are today, where things are spiraling the way that they are. Um, you know, I've, I've noticed, even in some of the groups uh, that I'm in, uh, concerning some of the business endeavors that I have, I've noticed that people are just angry. And, and worldly people, dear God, it's like, what, what are you so mad about? I mean, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me to watch how angry and how aggressive people can be over some of the dumbest things. And it's like, you really got yourself worked up over this? And I mean, there's like big problems <laughs> that need to be solved. And people are worked up. And I, and I think in part it's because any idiot with a keyboard can voice their opinion. And, and so, you know, usually to have a platform, you had to have some level of respect uh, to get a platform, and then people wanted to hear what you had to say. Now the only requirement to have a platform is to have a keyboard. And so many people are keyboard bullies. Because what they'd say on a keyboard, they would never say to your face. Um, <laughs> anyway. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I want to read to you in the message. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. Well, that concludes today's message. <laughs> when it says lovers of self, or lovers of pleasure, rather, more than lovers of God, uh, that word, in the uh, Greek language, there are typically about four in the Bible and five total in the Greek language words that mean love. Every translation of love is an um, adaptation or an expounding of one particular of these five words. Uh, the yellow one's a little difficult to see, so if you're further in the back, that one is thelu. But there are five words that are identified in the Greek language. So let me say it to you this way. If I told you to love your dog, but I said to you, don't love your dog. Well, there's, there's a difference. I said the exact same word, but there's a difference between what I'm saying. And what I want you to understand is as the Bible talks about love, 
um, it refers to various different uh, words that are representative of love. And so what I want you to see is when the Bible talks about verse 4, it says they're lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. That word is phileo or philia, which is the brotherly love. It's it's a love out of commonality. Um, Fraternal organizations have phileo love. Uh, Sororities have phileo love. They, they have a love based on some levels of commonality. And when he says that they are lovers of pleasure and not lovers of God, he uses this phileo, which is basically saying they would rather fellowship with their pleasures than to have fellowship and commonality with God. And... <clears throat> Do you see how that kind of expands quite a bit into the realities of what's being said? Because when it says that they are without natural affection or natural love, you understand what that's saying is there are things that naturally you should just have regard for. When you see a child, for crying out loud, how do you develop such an anger towards a child you don't know? Are you with me? Now, don't get me wrong. There are times where I want to beat what little black on my child has on her because she has pressed every button I have. But I would never... Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a natural affection that says there are certain things that you just can't do. And to see where we are as a world and to point fingers as believers and to say how terrible this is and how terrible that is, that's one thing. But the second problem that I have is why does not or why doesn't the body of Christ feel responsible? And and here here's look at Mark real quick. Mark 12 verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? He's asking Jesus, which one is the first commandment? And Jesus answered him, and from this point forward, it's in what color? So therefore, this is... So Jesus is speaking himself. And he says, they're asking, which is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus says, the first of all, Why didn't he just say all of them are are equally important? He didn't say all of them. He answered the question. He said, the first of all, the commandments, is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love, not phileo, agape, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, This is the first commandment. Keep going. The second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. 
isn't it something how they ask which one is the greatest and he says there are two love God with everything you have and love yourself and your neighbor why would this be the most important thing of everything because in all of it if you love your neighbor there are things you won't do to your neighbor see people think love is a feeling and and when it comes to things like marriage for example uh, people don't have any commitment to death do we part they have a commitment to when I stop loving you then we part The, the, it's not the death of the person. It's the death of their love. And, and, and the reality is that for him to say these are the greatest things helps us to realize what our Lord and Savior put value on. Because otherwise he could have just said, you know, all of the Ten Commandments are equally important, equally applicable. Just make sure that you follow them all and quit asking me stupid questions. Where are we at? Verse 31, 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, with all understanding, and with all soul, and with all thy strength, and, with his, and love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly he said unto him thou art not far from the kingdom of God and no man after that did us ask him any questions he said because you just answered it the way I told you he said you're not far from the kingdom of God when, when you understand the kingdom of God a lot of people think the kingdom of God is heaven Heaven is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the realm or the domain of God. And as a believer, we have access to that realm or that domain here. That's why he said, I want things to be done on earth as it is in. So then if it's supposed to be done on earth as it is in heaven and the kingdom is his domain, then his domain is not relegated to heaven. His domain is here. And he said, if you begin to understand that the kingdom of God is in you and you begin to affect the kingdom of God everywhere you go, he said, then you'll do well. He said, you're very close to the fullness of all God has to offer you when you learn one thing. Love God, love your neighbor. He said, if you learn that, he said, then you are close to the kingdom. You are close to experiencing all that God has for you. You are close to being fully blessed and thoroughly. He said, but if you don't have those things, you're far from the kingdom. Look at, look at Leviticus 19, verse 10. Leviticus 19, verse 10. <clears throat> And thou shalt not glean the vineyard, thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. 
I am the Lord your God. In other words, he says, don't go back through your fields and take everything you find. In other words, when you harvest a field, there are things that fall by the wayside. He said, don't go back and pick all that stuff up and take it. He said, leave it for someone else. Now, now, you know, (laughs) that flies in the face of people who are so tight. I mean, I don't mean tight like angry tight. I mean tight, you know, like airtight. Like a frog's behind tight. Like you open the wallet and moss fly out tight. Because they're like, well, I got to get everything out of this. I have to get everything out of this. No, you don't. And, and, and people think, well, that's wasteful. No, it's not. If you can help somebody else. See, he said, I'm letting you know the reason why you don't have to be this way is because I'm the Lord your God. <laughs> you don't have to be that type of person that's got to get the, you know, the toothpaste. You know how y'all doing? You get your little... Dear God. You know, you get your little ketchup and... (laughs) I mean, it just... And people don't even see the the poverty-mindedness of it. Now listen, if there's no more ketchup, I ain't going to the store, so I'm, I'm, I'm with that. But if you got another bottle, just... I assure you, that two cents. <coughs> Never mind, I'll find something else. Let's go to verse 11. Because y'all looking at me brand new. Ye shall not steal. Can we agree on that? Okay. Neither deal falsely. Okay, good. Neither lie. Don't even, don't even do it. Just because some of y'all. Neither lie one to another. Keep going. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shall thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Right? Thou shall not defraud thy neighbor. Neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until morning. You know what that means? (laughs) You know what that means? It means... If you owe it, pay it. <laughs> this went a lot easier in my head, Joe. It really did. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God. I am the Lord. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, that thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Now, hold on, go back. I know y'all, trying, I know y'all back there trying to get through this, but slow down. <laughs> y'all y'all going to take this whooping. <laughs> Notice what he says. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. You know what he's telling you? you don't get moved because a person doesn't have. But everybody thinks you're supposed to be. 
Oh, well, they're poor. And? He says, you... Thou, that's I, right? Say I, I. shall not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. So what is he saying? You don't respect just because they're poor, and you don't respect just because they have money or they're powerful. He said you judge them by their righteousness. See, because people think money is the indication of prosperity. If that's the case, every pimp, drug dealer, they'd be the most spiritual people on the planet. It's not about, it's not about money or what you have. It's not about if you don't have it. Because a lot of people think because I'm poor, you owe me something. They think because I don't have the money, you owe me. It's entitlement. <laughs> I'll find something else. Verse 16. I might have should have kept this for Wednesday. (laughs) Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. You know what that means? You shouldn't be running around gossiping. You know what gossip is? In case you didn't know, I'm going to give you a very good definition. Here's gossip. You ready? Having a conversation with someone who neither you nor them have the ability to make a decision or to resolve the issue. Some of y'all are like, well, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> 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 Some of y'all are like, well, dang, Pastor, what are we going to talk about? Nothing. If you are not one of the principals in the issue, then there's nothing to talk about. Neither shall thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. And then he says again, I am the Lord. Keep going. Thou shalt not hate thy brethren in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. In other words, you are to correct them and not allow them to stay in their mistakes. Keep going. So notice what he says. Don't hate them. Correct them. So they don't have to stay. Because see, some of you think because I won't say anything, I'm showing you how I love you. I love you because I won't say nothing about it. And the reality is that's not love. But I'll I'll get into that in a minute because y'all getting me ahead of my message. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love I am, now watch what he says next. You shall keep my statutes. There shall not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shall not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. Question for you. Now I'm good right where we at, 19. <coughs> Does that sound like he changed subjects? It does. He was talking about loving your neighbor. And then he says, you should keep my statutes, which I get it. Then he says, but you should not let your cattle gender with another diverse kind. He said, you shall not sow your field with mingled seed. 
Then he says, you shall not wear a garment that's made of linen and wool. In other words, he's telling you, don't mix these things together. Keep them separate. Because there is failure when you try to operate in prosperity and health and success and you can't love. You can't mix the two things. It's like plowing your field with an uh, ox and a, and a billy goat. You can't do it. And people really do think that they can do all of these things in underhanded ways and still prosper. <sighs> so when he said, love thy neighbor, he's quoting... You ready? 1 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> verse 21. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21. I don't know if this is going to be a shouting message or not, but we're going to get there. Here's what it's going to do. It's going to set some of you free. It's going to answer the question as to why you feel like you've been doing everything you know to do and nothing's happening. You ready? You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. <laughs> Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? See, you can't listen, 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 listen. Back in the days when you was in the world, you know, like last night. No, back in the days when you was in the world, <laughs> you didn't provoke nobody that you couldn't whoop, right? If you jump back and be like, who are you talking to? And they stood up and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I was talking to the person behind you. I didn't mean you. Because you don't provoke nobody that you ain't stronger than. Why would you need to be stronger than God to provoke God? Think about it. So he says, you can't do both. You can't eat at the devil's table and then want to eat at God's table. You can't, be, you can't go a horn Saturday night. Thank you for that one. Because <laughs> the rest of you are telling on yourselves. If you just smile, look straight ahead. And no matter what comes out, just be like, amen. <laughs> he said, you can't eat at both tables. He said, because to do so, you make God jealous. Never mind. First Corinthians 13. I'm going to keep going till I find something y'all can shout about, boy. I'm telling you, we're going we gonna, we gonna to find it. We're on a scripture run till we get it. First Corinthians 13, verse uh, 1. Let's, let's start there. 
Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. That word charity is love. I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all miracles, our mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have the faith so that I could do what? And have not, I am, I want you to pay attention to that for just a second. <clears throat> he said, even though I have the gift of prophecy, even though I understand deeper things that have not been revealed with God, even though I have knowledge, even though I have faith that will move a mountain, he said, if I don't have, I am, Keep going. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, and have not, it profiteth me. You ever wonder why people have enough faith to see the mountain move, but they never profit from it? No, listen, right? You praying, you believing for the new job, you get it. But it still ain't. You've been confessing and believing for the new business, but it still ain't. He said, even if I sacrificed my body to be burned, I can do it. All the gifts can run. uh, God can begin to reveal the deep things unto me. But yet I still have nothing. He said, just doesn't profit me. Why? Because there's no. You can make sacrifices and give and not give out of love. And this is what people do. They sacrifice and give not because of love. They feel compelled to do so. It was preached out of their pockets. <laughs> they got excited and they're like, oh, I'm going to give now. because." Listen, I don't care how good or how bad the message is. If God tells me to give, I'm giving regardless of my perception of it. Because I don't give based on my emotions. I give based on a leading. This is why when people come and say, well, are we going to help so-and-so and are we going to feed so-and-so? I don't have a leading to do that. Well, shouldn't we do? Yeah, you should do whatever God leads you to do. You're absolutely right. But don't have your leading and think it's my leading. Because I don't need you to hear from me. Are you with me? And so it's amazing how he says, I could give away all of my goods. This is why when when you talk about tithing with people and they struggle with it, you want me to tithe? Yes. Well, I'm not doing it. Okay. Well, if if you've convinced me, I'm not doing that. Keep it. You're going to need it. Even if, listen, I've said it and I'll say it again. If you don't believe in tithing, go tithe to another church. If you think I want something for it, because I don't. Go tie it to another church. When you see it working, bring it back here to the house and in your hood where it does the most good. Because that's the way it's supposed to be done. But if you think there's something in it, then go give it somewhere else. But the point still remains that you can do that. You could give everything you have. He said, I could bestow all of my goods. And if I have not love, you can pay your tithe. But you're meaner than a rattlesnake. You can't get along with nobody. You're not nice to people. 
and wondering why. Pastor, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. You sure? Because he said it won't profit me. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith. What kind of faith? Now faith, now faith is the of things and the evidence. So faith is the substance of the image that you have. Right? So here's what people say. <clears throat> Pastor, I have no faith. I really need to build my faith. It's like, well, no, that's not necessarily true. Because he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. So, so really, you do have the faith. The problem is your faith ain't got nothing to build. Or what it is building is what you don't want. Because that's what you really have an image for. So if you have an image of poverty, believe it or not, your faith is building poverty. If you have an image of lack, your faith is building lack. So you get a better image. So now you're like, all right, pastor, I got my faith together. I got a better image. And I still don't see it. The answer is in Galatians 5, 6. And I'll give it to you next week. <laughs> Some of y'all <are> like, <laughs> oh no, he didn't. I'd have tested your love walk right then and there. <laughs> Look at this. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. In other words, whether you are a believer that's under the covenant, or whether you're not a covenant person, that's not what makes power or makes something available. It's not the engine. How many of you know, how many of you came here in a vehicle today? Put your hand up real quick. Other than Chase who drives a Tesla, how many of y'all use gas? (laughs) Okay. So, how many of you know that no matter what you do, and how, no matter how many times you step on a pedal, no matter how many times you turn that key, if there is no gas in your car, it does absolutely nothing. I could be driving a Rolls Royce. It needs. I could be driving one of them little smart cars. It needs. I wouldn't fit in a smart car. But I mean, I, I, I you know, just hypothetically speaking, So from any extreme, if it doesn't have gas, no matter how great my image is, my image is a Rolls Royce, but it has no, look what he says, but faith which worketh. So then I could have faith as a mustard seed. I could have the proper image. And it's still not produced because the gas is what? <clears throat> John thirteen thirty five. What color is this in? Who's speaking? Jesus. By this shall all men know that ye are. He says, this is how they'll know you belong to me. 
if you have He said, because the world doesn't have love one toward another. So your ability to distinguish yourself from the rest of the world is the fact that you have one. So all of this love that Jesus keeps talking about, he keeps referencing. There are five types of love. There is eros love. Eros is erotic, it is sexual, it is sensual, it is a lust. <coughs> Eros is, um, y'all got that, right? Okay, good. I don't want to keep beating that horse to death. Storge is the fruit of relationship. So the fruit of relationship is <coughs> I can grab somebody's hand when we go to pray, right? I can say, let's all join hands and we pray. Or I can grab my wife's hand. If I grab her hand, it means something different than it does if I grabbed any random person's hand to pray. If someone walks up to you and they uh, pat you on the back, if it's your friend, it's a different ball game than if it's your wife. Your wife comes and she rubs you on the back. She's sending you signals. <laughs> it's... You got to tell me twice. <laughs> I ain't saying everybody go home, but you got to get out of here. <laughs> See, the fruit of relationship is, is what is owed in the relationship. It's the hugs. It's the kisses. If we're married, this is all that comes with the relationship. Phileo love is a brotherly type love. It's a camaraderie. It's, it's based on some commonality. If I started a motorcycle club, we all love motorcycles, we would have phileo. Uh, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Ain't much love in Philadelphia. I know I'm from there. But that's what we're supposed to be doing in Philadelphia. But they didn't understand the assignment. So <coughs> Thalu love is a self-love. Uh, when it talks about how the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they love themselves so much. And, and remember when Jesus was saying, you know, if you're, if you're going to be humble, sit in the back, let people invite you to the front. So Thelu is a very selfish uh, love. It, it, it's, it's all about you. It's narcissism. It's uh, anytime things get rough, you save yourself first. Everything's predicated on you. Uh, if you've ever met somebody, uh, if you're sitting next to this type of person, just look straight ahead. But if you've ever met somebody where every time there's something wrong, it has something to do with them. It's like, no, this is a problem over here. And they want to tell you how they've been affected. And it's like, hold on, where did you get that from? I'm telling you, and all you are concerned with is what you see and what you think about it. Are you with me? The only type of, of love, when the Bible says that God is love, for God so loved the world that he gave his... Anytime you see love associated with God, it is never eros which unfortunately, that's how relationships start. They start with a lust and a, and a sexual attraction. And then they want storge because they want what they think deem they're owed. So if she makes you wait any length of time, then you get upset and you want to break your fellowship with that person because they're not responding quick enough with what you believe to be the commonality. 
and then because it's all about you, it's thalo love, and you never get to agape. Because the type of love that God has for you is agape love. Agape love does what's in the best interest of the people being loved. For God so loved the world that he gave what? Because he loved you. He gave his only begotten son. Who gives their son for you? I don't know that I would give a good ham sandwich for you. (laughs) Nonetheless, my child. And he's like, I gave my son for you. So then when you begin to understand agape, you begin to understand agape gives. And agape does in the best interest of the person being loved. <clears throat> agape is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not how I feel because you're here. You, you make my heart go pitter-patter. You know how people get, I got butterflies. Really? Okay, well, that's over here. That's the lowest level of love. And, and the problem is all of these are conditional except agape. Eros love is conditioned upon you satisfying me intimately. Storge is based on you giving me what I want that I deem to be the fruit of that relationship. Phileo is we have to have something in common. And as long as we have something in common, we are cool. It's like a constituency. You know, there's a lot of people that vote political parties because they're just one of the political parties. No matter how crazy it is, no matter how wrong it is, no matter how demonic it is, well, I'm this and I'm that. And I, wait, 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 wait. I don't have phileo with people who, are, who don't agree with my biblical values. And I don't care what uh, uh, political party you want to associate with. The moment it leaves my biblical values, I'm done. But people want you to stay connected because we're a brotherhood. And if we agree, then we stay together. If we don't, then we're done. This is where marriages are failing. And then Thalu love is it's all about me. See, when you're in a marriage and it's all about you, all you think about is you. you how you saw it, how you felt about it, how you, you, you can't even step back and get outside of your own head and see how another person might feel. It's always about you. All of these are conditional and all of these will fail because they're conditional. What happens if you marry her and her body changes? So she's now had three of your kids and you got the audacity to talk about her body. When she done birthed three of your kids, you birthed those three kids. Let's see how good you look. Come on. And what if she felt, and see, that's the thing, because she, typically, she doesn't fall in love with you because of arrows. That's not her leading. So then when your gut comes out to, and all you do is sit on the couch and scratch, <laughs> never thinking to yourself the scratching and itching is a sign you need to go take a shower. <laughs> never mind. This ain't elephant in the bedroom, is it? <clears throat> let's... let's <clears throat> Praise him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. You ready? 
Let's do it in the Amplified Classic, please. Because it says charity, right? But I want to read it to you in the Amplified just so you can get the better understanding of it. Love endures long, is patient and kind. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act becomingly, unbecomingly. Love, God's love, where is it? Does not insist on its own rights, its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Look, look, look at this. Look. <laughs> you still mad with your husband over some junk he didn't did 10 years ago. And every time you get angry, this the weapon you, you pull it out like your lightsaber. <laughs> you remember that time? Yeah, we all remember. How could I ever forget? <laughs> Never having thought that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Never having thought that there's a point where if the love of God is in you. <laughs> look, look, look at, look at. <laughs> this is not getting better, is it? <laughs> look at verse 4. <clears throat> love endures long and is, in pa- is, is, is patient and you want to know something funny? Some people endure long. They, they stay under it long time. Not because they're patient, because they ain't got no choice. I've been putting up with you for 35 years. No, sis, you've been scared to go out on your own. So you put up with him because he brought a paycheck. That's why you put up with it. No, I was enduring for the Lord. No, you wasn't. Because if you were enduring for the Lord, no one would know. You'd have been patient. You'd have been kind. See, see, we all know you're enduring. We can look at you. You come in looking like if you had a can, you'd kick it. And everybody asks you, hey, you okay? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You sure? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Blessed be the Lord. <laughs> and everybody knows you're suffering. Everybody knows you're struggling. And you want to say you're enduring for the Lord. But if that's the case, why would everybody know why would your husband or wife know that you're enduring? It's funny how people don't understand how. Look, look what he says here. Uh, verse 5. Touchy, fretful, or resentful. You know what touchy means? Oversensitive and irritable. One who requires careful handling. 
I'm going to look down. <clears throat> you know what fretful means? Feeling or expressing distress or irritation. You know what resentful means? One who expresses anger, annoyance, bitterness at having been treated unfairly. You wait till his butt get home. He going to know how I feel. I'm going to put him in a tundra. He going to feel brr as soon as he walk in the door. I'm going to let her know how I feel. I ain't coming home. We'll see how long it takes her to call me. She's going to learn what side the bread is buttered on. He is good, boy. It's, 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 it's amazing to me how people don't even understand how you treat others and then not think that this is messing up. You believe in God to prosper but you dogging your wife out all the time. You treating her like she a second-class citizen in the house she helped you build. You have no idea how you treating your husband and thinking that some, I'm, I, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. He blessed me coming in and blessed me going out. I'm blessed in the field. You sure? Because he wants to live on the roof. The Bible says it's better to live on the corner of a roof than to live in the house with a contentious woman. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live on no roof. You imagine my big behind sitting on a roof in a corner? I didn't get the whole roof. I get it don't even make no sense. Look at Romans 10.13. Romans 13.10. That's like, you know, dialing the wrong phone number, right? I personally think if you get at least six of the numbers right, you should get to somebody who knows the person you're trying to reach. <laughs> but, you know, here it is. Love worketh no ill to his. Therefore, what? Is the. So then what you're telling me is that love worketh no, aver, no ill towards his neighbor. Meaning you're not the one to go tattling on folks. You don't know what they did to me. I'm telling. Now listen, there's a difference between exposing what needs to be exposed and tattling. Tattling is the, for the purpose of getting someone in trouble. And can I tell you something? This culture we live in has gotten women to the point where they won't tell what has happened to them because the culture has oppressed the idea that they're not allowed to speak up. 
because it's tattling. No, it's not tattling. There's a difference between tattling, tattling and telling. Things that ha- are being done wrong should be told. Tattling is just saying stuff for the sole purpose of getting somebody in trouble. That's the difference. Are you with me? And so love worketh no ill towards his neighbor. In other words, I don't want to be a part of your downfall. If you've done something wrong to me, which I'm telling you, we have been in situations where people have done us absolutely dirty. We have paid their bills. We have done all kinds of things. And as soon as they get geared up, somebody that got them tuned up a certain way, they will talk bad about us. The question becomes, then they'll come back and be like, I don't have no money for a bill. Can you help me? Sure. I'll help you. Because I'm not going to be a part of working ill towards you. Because everything in me says you're about to get kicked down the street, good. That's where you deserve to be. Everything in me says that. But the love of God says I'm not going to exchange evil for evil. Because I don't want to be a part of your undoing. Now listen to me. If you deal with me harshly and incorrectly, you will experience an undoing. I just don't want to be a part of it. I'll sit back from the sideline and watch it go down. Are are you understand what I'm saying? But I'm not going to contribute to it. And I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to uh, uh, talk bad about you in front of somebody else and mess your reputation up with them. And cast dispersion upon them and think my prosperity is going to work. I want to read to you out of um, Dad Hagen's book, Love the Way to Victory. Here's what he said. I want you to pay very close attention to this last line. I've even had people tell me that it was a weakness in my character because I wouldn't fight people who fought against me. They said it was a character defect, that I never paid any attention to a suffered wrong. They made comments like, he sure told you, didn't he? And I'd answer, no, no, he didn't tell me off. I never paid any attention to what he said in the first place. I haven't paid any attention to a suffered wrong in all of these years. Here's the last sentence. I just keep preaching and loving, and here's the kicker, and staying healthy. Did did you catch that? Did you catch it? He said, all I do is I keep preaching, I keep loving, and I keep staying healthy. People don't connect that the stuff they're going through, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, the stuff they're going through is rooted in them getting their vengeance. Them saying their peace of mind. I ain't going to let him talk to me like that. I ain't going to let her deal with me. She don't know who she messed with. She catch these hands. And while she's catching these hands, Satan is catching your pocketbook. Satan is catching, he's in your pocket just like this. Yeah, she can catch them hands. Mm-hmm. Yep, she sure can. Give, give it to her. Don't, oh, wait, oh, we got money over here too. All right, yeah, give her. People want, oh, you ain't going to talk to me like that. You don't know who you're dealing with. For real? You're a believer. In the church. Fighting with your brothers and sisters. Thank you, babe. <laughs> Divine love is a peacemaker. 
That's why when Psalm says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You know, David wrote that. You know what he's referring to? When he had an opportunity to come against Saul, he wouldn't. Can you imagine? Just let me paint a picture for you real quick. You are called in because this dude is harassed by demon spirits. You are called in to play. So here you are strumming, right? You're just getting it for him. And as you're playing, these demons are being released because the anointing is breaking. And he's throwing javelins at you. And God says you can do to him whatever you want. And delivers him, if you don't know the story, delivers Saul into a cave where David and his men are lined up in the darkness of the cave. And there is no more compromising position than for Saul to be, Saul went in there, the Bible says, to to cover his feet which in today's translation would be to go use the restroom. So here he is in there using the restroom while David and his men are all sitting around him in the dark, in the shadows. He can't see him. I don't know if there's ever a more compromising position. And David didn't take it. Then David went out behind him and cut the hem of his skirt off of his robe. And when he got outside, David came running up to him and showed it to him and still called him master. He said, I'm but a flea. I'm but a dog. Why would you even come after me? But he showed him that I was in there. And here's your robe that I cut off. I could have slit your throat. And God told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. I had every right to respond. I had every right to retaliate. I had every right to take your life. I had every right to do, but I chose not to because I am not God. He said, so I learned to touch not God's anointed and do my prophets no harm. Do you have any idea the concept here of what it takes to be in a position that you could hurt somebody And choose not to because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And you say, I won't do it. I just won't. See, this is where people miss it. And then they understand why their prosperity is. You're touchy. You're short-fused. you got to be handled with care. Every time somebody talks to you, they got to be like, okay, let me rehearse it. How do I say this? And when you force people to have to figure out how to talk to you, you exert a level of control over people that is unhealthy and toxic. If I really got to think, okay, because here's what most people do, particularly in relationships, they just lie to you. When people, people say like things like, well, I'm just so tired of her lying to me. I'm so tired of him lying to me. Every time. Someone gets into my office and starts telling me the other person lies to them. They are either one, a pathological liar, which is never usually the case. Or two, you're so touchy that nobody can tell you the truth. 
And if you don't learn how to be a person who can hear the truth and respond correctly, your children will not tell you the truth until it's too late. They will not come tell you what's going on when you need them to. You need them to tell you before they do something stupid, not afterwards. But you're just so touchy. You're just hot to handle, too cold to hold, baby. I will cuss you out. Okay, make sure you empty your pockets first. Make, make sure you, you, know, you take your pills first because you're going to need them. 1 Peter 4, 8 in the message. Uh, put in the NIV first. 1 Peter 4, 8 in the NIV. And then we'll go to the message. Come on, y'all back there. I'm running out of time. There we go. Above all, love each other what? Because love covers. Go back to uh, put that in the message, please. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life Love makes up for practically. You mean to tell me that wherever I'm deficient, if I would just walk in love, it makes up for it? You mean to tell me answers I don't have, things I don't have, things I can't do, if I would walk in love? I am amazed at how many people don't understand how important it is to love. It's, it's, (laughs) okay Matthew 18 because when the Bible says love covers a multitude a lot of people think love is a misused band-aid in other words they will cover people's sins under the guise of I love you and so if he's beating on you he does not love you if she's beating on you She does not love you. Let me say it this way. Not with any of these. Are you you following what I'm saying? Or or let me say it this way. Not with agape. Because agape love would never do that. Are are you all hearing me? But see, people cover it and say, well, I love her. I love him. Are you serious? So you do it with like a misused band-aid. Where did I tell you to go? Matthew? Matthew 18, verse 15. This is one of the most interesting things I've learned about people, particularly in the body of Christ. They don't want to deal with conflict. David ran to the conflict. See, I'm the type of person where if there's a problem, I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to talk to other people about you. I might talk to people to hear what the story is. That's what, you know, that's what the popo do. That's why, they, you know, you're in the car with somebody, they separate you immediately. You know why they do that? They want to see what story you're going to tell. Right? And then they start comparing stories. That's how we get to the truth. But in terms of talking about you, I'm coming to you. Why? Because moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So what does that mean? If you have a problem that I have to address, I'm going to come tell you privately. Right? If he shall hear you, you've gained a brother. 
Yes? If they don't hear you, what's the next thing you do? You take one or two more. You put some other people in the room. I've had people ask me, I don't know why so-and-so's here. Because you're not listening. You're in a second stage of an intervention. (laughs) Well, why are they in here? Because you're an idiot. You ain't listening. You're hard-headed. You think we're talking to somebody else. So guess what? We bring some other people in. And if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. That in the mouth of is every word. But if he neglect, or he still neglect to hear them, them, tell it unto the church. You mean make it public? I don't understand why I got to get called out in public. Because you didn't listen when I came to you the first time. You didn't listen when I brought some people with me the second time. Now the third time, we putting you on blast. Is that what it says? Notice what he says the third time. After we've told it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, then let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. You know what that heathen and publican is? When the Bible says, be not unequally yoked, same word. In other words, we're not equally yoked. So you, you're treated like a heathen because you act like a heathen. Because only a heathen has to be told over and 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 over again. A believer should not have to be told. Why? Because a believer should be a, a it's, it's in the sentence, y'all. A believer should be a, no, it's in the sentence. A believer should be a. No, I need you to think about that. A believer should be a. And if you refuse to. Then you're not a. It's like if the tree falls in the woods, there it is. Right? I mean, it's not. It, you don't have to have a concordance. You ain't got to. Break it down into this homiletical, you know, (laughs) hermeneutical. It is what it is. Look at, um, all right, can I get two more minutes? This is where I was trying to get you to. I I want to leave you on a hill. So let's go to, um, Galatians 5, 22. Y'all don't have the Moffitt's translation back there, do you? By any chance? I'm pretty sure you don't, because that's a very rare translation, but I figured I'd ask. On the off chance, I might be surprised. Okay, let's go. uh, Galatians 5. (laughs) 22. In the King James. And then I'll read it to you out of the Moffitt's translation. How about that? Don't sound too excited. (laughs) But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is? Uh Uh-huh. 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 And? 
Keep going. Right? Temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no So look at the Moffat's translation. Here's what it says. But the harvest of the Spirit is love. This is the harvest of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, good temper, kindliness, uh, generosity, fidelity, gentleness, self-control. Now watch this. There is no law against those who practice such things. Put in the Amplified Classic, please. Watch what it says. I don't know if this bulb is going out, but this is lighter over this side than it is on that side. So y'all might need to take a look at that. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within you accomplishes is love, which is agape, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Look at this. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge against you. So then when people say, I'm just having, I just fell out of love. The Holy Spirit produces love in you. So then for you to fall out of love, you fell out of love in your soul. Because the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So then love, God type of love, is a fruit of the Spirit. And if it's a fruit, then a fruit has to... One, one, of, uh, one of the houses that I owned was, uh, we had an orange tree, we had a lemon tree, and we had a ruby red grapefruit tree. And when you, you, some of you probably already know this, but when you have your own trees, they taste way different than that junk they got in the store. That stuff in the store, I don't even know what tree that came off of. And, if, and it's, it just, you know, I used to have, I mean, lemons like that. And you can make a whole thing of lemonade with one lemon. And nowadays you need 10 of them just to get a teaspoon. <coughs> Fruit grew on the tree. And how many of you know that it then fell off the tree when it got into a certain stage? And then it would, you know, if you didn't get it up, it'd deteriorate. And then the tree will be bare for a while. And it will go through a season. And then it will grow back in again. And it will go through cycles. But it's growth. That's why when the Bible says that, that exercise profiteth little, but godly exercise is profitable unto all things. Some of you work out your physical body. And you got your body in shape. But your love walk is obese. Your love walk is sickly. Your love walk is on the level of dying. And you are more in tune with how you look than how you act. And so the love walk is a fruit, which means it's produced. And if it's the harvest of the Spirit, then you have it in you. This is why he says, we know that we pass from death unto life because we have love for the brethren. In other words, he says, I know that you stepped out of the world and you're truly saved. You move from darkness to light. 
You move from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of light. How do I know that? Because of your love for your brethren. So otherwise, if you don't have love for your brethren, you need to get saved. Well, I am saved, Pastor. Nobody knows it. And we ought to know it. Look, look at, look at uh, John 15. John 15, verse 1. <clears throat> I am the true vine. My father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him. The same bringeth forth much love. For without me, so if you're struggling with your love, you're without him. Because he says, you are the branch, he's the vine. And if you're connected to him and love is the fruit of the spirit, then that should produce in you so quit acting like it's a feeling. I don't have to walk in love towards you and feel it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm telling people that, oh, I can prophesy. I don't care if you can prophesy and you can't love your husband, you can't love your wife. Yes, you can prophesy, but it's, it, it has no profit for nobody. I'm, I'm in faith to believe God to do. So what? It won't profit you. Because you can't walk in love. You don't think your, your brothers and sisters are valuable. You got your little hand-selected people. Some of them you just avoid. You see them come to the hall, you're like, can't stand her. And then wonder why when you reach in your pocket, there's nothing there. Wonder why, you know, sickness is plaguing your body. Well, I just, I just don't understand. I don't think they, they got everything to do with each other. And the truth of the matter is when you begin to yield by the Spirit to the Spirit and you realize I'm in Christ and the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. That means that it's the love of God that constrains me. That means that the reason why I didn't choke you out was because God was working in me. That means the reason why I'm still going to bless you, even though you tried to curse me, even though you tried to hurt me, I'm still going to bless you anyway. Why? Because the love of God is constraining me. The love of God is working in me. I've done nice things for people. Like, well, why, why would you do that? <laughs> because I love you. Because I'm not going to let you. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to love on people and I'm going to stay healthy and wealthy. Because it don't matter. When, see, I call it the heaping coals ministry. You know, the Bible says people that try to hurt you, do something nice for them. It's like heaping coals down their back. It's a great ministry, ain't it? <laughs> I'm the leader of that one. Not only am I a client, but I'm also the president. See, see, because I'm going to always do what's right. It's hard. It ain't easy. But I'm going to do the right thing. 
even for people to try to hurt you, people to try to destroy you, because they're still part of the body. And here's what I've learned. If you get anything today, get this. If you try to pay them back, that's all they're going to get. If you get yourself out the way and let God handle it, son, God fights all my battles for me. God wins all my battles for me. They're every time, all I got to do is sit back and wait. I've watched him reach out and change situations, touch situations. I don't have to get involved. He'll handle it. He'll fix it. He'll resolve it. He'll recompense. And if he chooses not to, it's none of my business. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're learning how to love. We're thinking how to love in a way like Jesus loved. Can you imagine riding on a donkey and people screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the King of the Most High. I can't even imagine what that felt like to then turn around and be the same people yelling, crucify him. The same people yelling, kill him. To, to then go to the cross for people who hated you and despised you and spit on you. And call it your passion, as my wife so eloquently preached. To call it your passion while those people hated you. And still give your life for them. And not call down every host of angels to burn it all up. But to go to the slaughter with his mouth shut. Knowing the sacrifice he was making. Knowing he was giving his life for those who sought to take it. <laughs> there's no greater love than that that's why when the Bible says that God so loved the world he gave and we thank you Lord we thank you that you gave we will not be touchy with our loved ones we will not be touchy with our friends we will not be touchy with our families we will not be resentful we'll celebrate in all things we are not going to let the devil know what irks us. We're not going to let him know what pushes our buttons. Because once he figures it out, he'll keep doing it. But we thank you we've been delivered. For truly the love of God constrains us. It leads us, it guides us. We don't care how we feel. We know that that's fruit working on the inside of us. And we're going to exercise it. The 15-pound dumbbells might be heavy today. But we're going to keep lifting and keep working at it until it's light work. And we're going to love more and more. Your word tells us that owe no man anything except to love him. That means we owe love, Lord. We owe it. It's not something that they have to earn. We owe it. And so when you have something you owe, you pay it. We thank you, Father, for it. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Sure love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to go over time.